This is the Engines of Our Ingenuity, made possible by the friends of KUHF Houston. Today, a doctor helps expand a nation. The University of Houston presents this program about the machines that make our civilization run and the people whose ingenuity created them. At the beginning of the musical Hamilton, I have to keep reminding myself of two things. One, these founding fathers we all know and love aren't yet Americans, as we now use the term. They're British colonists. Second, and even easier to forget, is that not all the colonies of North America are going to revolt and invent a brand new country. In fact, depending on whom you count, the majority of them didn't. Which brings us to Dr. John McLaughlin. He was born in 1784 in one of those British colonies that didn't revolt, French-speaking Quebec. How is it then he's now known as the father of Oregon? Here's what we know. At age 19, McLaughlin had just passed his medical exams. But instead of following the usual course and setting up a private practice, he abruptly joined a fur trading business, the Northwest Company. These intrepid souls were a cross between Warren Buffett and Daniel Boone, venture capitalists with a fever for raw adventure. With indigenous peoples as guides and partners, they plied the rivers of Canada in birch bark canoes, searching out the last quarry of lucrative beaver pelts. McLaughlin's brains and brawn, he was a beefy six-foot-four, led to a quick rise within the company. After the Norwesters merged with their rivals, the London-based Hudson's Bay Company, McLaughlin was assigned to govern a distant outpost at the mouth of the Columbia River. The post had been established by New York City tycoon John Jacob Astor, but fell to the Brits after the War of 1812. McLaughlin moved operations upstream to Fort Vancouver, just across the river from present-day Portland, Oregon. Business was booming as the Bay Company scoured the northwest for furs. McLaughlin branched out and started farms and sawmills in the lush Willamette Valley to the south. For years, he held court as a kind of benevolent dictator of this remote forest kingdom. There was only one problem. By the 1840s, those uppity 13 colonies had now doubled to 26 states. Wagon trains of Americans started arriving in droves over the Oregon Trail. McLaughlin had every reason to give these exhausted newcomers a hard time. After all, they were invading what he and his company considered British soil. But he didn't. In fact, he befriended them, sold them urgently needed supplies on credit, knowing it likely the company would not be paid back. This was admirable on a human level, but certainly didn't help the Brits with their land claim. When it came time to define the boundary of U.S. and Canada, the territory below the 49th parallel went to the United States, whose settlers now live there. McLaughlin himself became an American citizen in 1849. A while ago, I stood on the rocky summit of Mount McLaughlin, a 9,500-foot volcano ruling the skyline of southern Oregon. On a clear day, you can see a 100 miles in any direction. A fitting tribute, I thought, to this towering figure in French-Canadian, British, and yes, American history. I'm Roger Caza from the University of Houston, where we're interested in the way inventive minds work. Mm-hmm.